What's up, Dolphins fans? Welcome to the post-week six edition here of Locked On Dolphins. The Dolphins falling to the Jacksonville Jaguars in London. 23-20 with the end of regulation field goal to fall to 1-5 on the season. We're going to be breaking down observations from this football game, big picture conversations that now need to be had here and more on Locked On Dolphins. You are Locked On Dolphins. Your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolphins fans? Your host, Kyle Krabs, here on Locked On Dolphins. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, Lifelong Dolphins fan, director of scouting at thedraftnetwork.com, host here. And uh, this one hurts a lot. Uh, Miami falling 2320 uh, was up 20 to 17 in the fourth quarter of this football game and let this one slip through their fingers. The Dolphins are now one in five. Um, was not all bad in week six. I think the big picture view of what's going on in Miami is the most troublesome part. One in five is not where anybody expected to be, but it's also how we've gotten to one in five. You can point to uh, a handful of games that the Dolphins have played through the first six games of the season. And you could say, hey, look, injury to your starting quarterback, uh, that's problematic. Tua Tungvaloa came back, and Tua Tungvaloa, with the exception of three or four throws, I thought played a really nice football game for the Dolphins. He finished 33 of 47 passing uh, for 329 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. And the Dolphins had 431 yards of offense against Jacksonville. For an offense that was struggling to surpass 100 yards of offense in three quarters for a couple of the games that they played this season, uh, I'm going to take 431 all day and a 300-yard passing performance. And you can give me Tua's passing performance every week from here on out to the end of the rest of the season. I'm going to be thrilled. He obviously had a key... Second half drive to put Miami back in front. He hit Jalen Waddle for two touchdowns in this football game. Those two did show their chemistry. Would still like to see them, oh, I don't know, run Jalen Waddle down the field a little bit and let him throw some vertical shots down the field with the speed that he's got. But I digress. This past week on the show, we spent a lot of time talking about and evaluating who are the players that we need to be watching most closely. And obviously, Tua Tungvalo is a top five pick and quarterback who has a sample size that's small. He's the name to watch and evaluate for the rest of the season. And he played one of his best games as a professional against Jacksonville. And you could say, oh, well, it was Jaguars. I don't care. You can only play the games that are on your schedule. And they did some RPO stuff, but it wasn't overwhelmingly skewed. Uh, So I was very encouraged by that. The throws that he missed. Um... Obviously, the interception stands out as one. The deep comeback was looking to work the dig across the middle. Didn't like the robot technique from the middle linebacker that was picking up that deep dig route, so he moved off of that uh, to the the comeback to Jalen Waddle. Here's the problem. He stood in the pocket, but I did feel as though his base broke down on that play. And when we talk about Tua Tungvaloa not having elite physical tools, This is a good example of that. You can't drive that throw like the Josh Allens and uh, the Patrick Mahomeses of the world if you're not set on your base. You can't get away with that. So 
either the timing had to be a little cleaner to work back to it quicker before that corner could sink underneath it, or you had to work a little harder to get that ball up and over and risk the safety coming across to contact the receiver, or you had to really dig your cleats in the ground and really drive that throw uh, and, and try to get it there quicker before the corner could sink underneath. The third and two scramble uh, that he had in which he could have easily ran for a first down and chose to instead uh, try and work one up over the top. That's one he's going to want back. You could see as soon as the ball left his hands, he wanted it back. Kind of is what it is. Uh, but, but as I said, generally speaking, 33 of 47 passing 329 yards. You're encouraged by that. There were some miscommunications. Uh, I don't know why in the hell you're running Durham Smythe on the seam to run a bender against Tampa 2. He tried to put it on the back shoulders. Durham kind of undercut the, the Tampa 2 to try and cut across his face. For, I don't even know why Durham Smythe was taking that rep at all, but miscommunication on that play was not the only one. The one down in the red zone uh, to Miles Gaskin. Miles Gaskin sits down, looks like it's zone. Um, to expects him to continue working through his route. I don't know who was right or who was wrong, uh, but those were a couple instances of, okay, you know, they, he hadn't played a month. Some miscommunications on those instances on site adjustments and understanding what the coverage is and what the receiver is going to do, so on and so forth. I'm not saying they're to his fault, but there were a, a handful of miscommunications as well of a handful of throws that two would probably like back. But speaking about Miles Gaskin, he was another one of the names that we had identified as well. He's cheap. He's under contract. He brings value. He, he don't bring value if he plays like he did on Sunday against Jacksonville. Dropping passes. Uh, not really effective in, in any aspect of the game. And his inability to kind of wrestle and wrangle away. Miles Gaskin rushed five times for nine yards, 1.8 yards per carry. Uh, ended up catching two passes for five yards, was targeted six times, and had at least two drops. It's not good. This was the guy who preempted you from bringing in a running back other than Malcolm Brown, who they once again, and this is going to get into the, the big picture conversation that we need to have um, about this loss in particular and the trends that we are seeing. Uh, the coaching staff once again called upon Malcolm Brown in a short yardage situation to ask him to do what he has not done all year, which is convert a short yardage situation when Miami needed him to. Yes, I understand he broke the run against the Raiders for a touchdown. He also could not get a late second or late game run against the Raiders near the 40 yard line. He did not get a late run in another game earlier this season. Believe they came back to him to run it against the Colts. Didn't get it. Fourth and a half a yard. And it was a half a yard because uh, the, the routes were shorter than the sticks. And I don't really know why the, nobody wanted to give Mike Isecki any credit for reaching out on any of the instances in which he reached the ball out as he was going out of bounds because it happened twice and we didn't get the benefit of it out on either spot. But they once again came back to the well with Malcolm Brown and ran him out of shotgun 
running inside zone where he wasn't even picking up a full head of steam to run into the line of scrimmage. It's dumb. It's not effective. It's not an effective use of your talent. And they chose to go for it on their own side of the 50 within the last two minutes. I respect the fact that you're trying to win the football game. But that can't be what you draw up and expect to win the game. Because you've done it over and over and over this season, and it has not worked. Not in crunch time, it hasn't. So I don't know why you expected it was going to be any different the 12th time you've called it this year. Today, I want to tell you guys about a simple way to get all the entertainment that you love without the hassle. DirecTV Stream brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, which means you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. And the best part is there's no annual contract, so stop waiting and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. And therein lies the problem. That is the big picture issue. Stop me if you've heard this script before. Miami works their way out to a double-digit lead early in a football game, only to see their offense completely disappear until they've completely dissipated and find themselves losing in the fourth quarter and suddenly decide they need to put their foot back on the gas again and then get down into crunch time situations and the coaching staff makes poor decisions and poor personnel usage and ends up losing the football game. Rinse and repeat, it's happened like three times this season. And at the end of the day, this loss, uh, I would also consider the Raiders game to fall into the same category, is a coaching loss. You can point to a couple of bounces of the ball. and Look, Miami has not got a single bounce of the ball since week one. All of the hard luck plays. Tua getting hurt. The missed field goal by Jason Sanders uh, in the Raiders game. The muffed punt by Jakeem Grant against the Colts. They have continued to see in this five-game losing streak, which feels like an eternity, the ball bounce against them. But this is what happens when you coach so conservatively, so close to the vest, that you want to just be in position to win the game at the end of the game. And then you're going to expect you're going to have all the right answers and all the right buttons to push. So yes, we can sit here and we can argue about whether or not Agnew touched the ball on the punt that Malcolm, uh, that, that, ended up being recovered by Mac Hollins in the end zone for what could have been a touchdown before they went down and, and kicked a game-winning field goal or a game-tying field goal. But you were up big in this game and you took your foot off the gas again. And you started breaking out some real exotic pressure looks late in the game to try and confuse Trevor Lawrence, and lo and behold, it worked. Why are you waiting for it? Why are you selectively coming out being aggressive with the passing offense? The offensive line, I thought, played pretty damn good. Tua Tungvaloa wasn't sacked. 
Did he deal with some pressure? Yes. Was he forced off his spot? Sure. But the offensive line played well, all things considered. Welcome back, Tua. Had a couple deep set play action passes to try and key it up. Tried to force one downfield down the the sideline to Jalen Waddle. At least we took a vertical shot. We had another one up the left sideline that Mac Hollins caught that was called OPI, which I thought was a little ticky tack. But like that penalty happened, and they're like, uh, "Okay, yeah, we're nah." Put everything back inside five yards again. And there's no real. This is self-inflicted. It is the the offense is very herky jerky, very clunky. There's physical talent, as when we went through and we evaluated the Dolphins roster last week, looking for long-term building blocks. There is a notable amount of physical talent that exists on this team. But we're self-inflicting wounds with penalties again this week. We are not good in game situations. The usages of the timeouts, the two challenges back-to-back, running routes short of the sticks. How many times did you break the huddle and your receivers went to the wrong side of the formation and had to be corrected, or they're sitting there chit-chatting back and forth, figuring out who in the hell's on the ball and who's off the ball? That's bad coaching. It's bad coaching. And the longer this thing goes, the harder and harder of a time you're going to have convincing me that coaching is not the biggest issue on this team right now. Because game management was bad. Situational football was bad. Penalties were bad. You can move the ball at will until you decided not to, and then you needed to again, and lo and behold, Mike Kosecki's gouging them across the middle of the field over and over again. And then you get into a late-game situation where it's fourth and one, you try and win the game, and the best play that you can draw up is a freaking shotgun inside zone to your third-best running back where you don't even give him a chance to be set behind the quarterback, and he's probably your sixth best skill player in the game, with a, um, even amidst Devontae Parker and Preston Williams not playing in the football game. Yikes. On and on and on it goes. And I don't see it getting any better, because what are you going to do? You're, you're going to... Make a change to your assistant staff. You're not bringing in a new OC midseason. The feel and flow for the game, Jay, I mean, Jalen Waddle was ever persistent. He ended up having 13 targets, caught 10 balls for 70 yards. It's seven yards a pop, but two touchdowns. But there was like a 30-minute stretch in that football game where Jalen Waddle was completely invisible. We came into this game and we said, yeah, man, like, Our offense, or at least I said coming into this game, the offense should run through Jalen Waddle, Mike Kosecki, and Miles Gaskin. That's where the majority of your touches in this offense should go. Kosecki had nine targets, eight for 115. Waddle had 13 targets, 10 for 70, and two touchdowns. Gaskin had six targets, two catches for five yards. The miscommunication down inside the end zone that I don't know if it was his fault or not his fault and he dropped at least one football that was a key third down opportunity. And then he ran five times with a long of four yards for 
Meanwhile, Tua played one of the best games of his NFL career, and you got fourth and one near the 50, and you decide to go for it, and you don't even give him an opportunity to have your ball in his hands. And it really feels like the coaching staff in crunch time does not trust Tua Tungvaloa. It doesn't. Because if they did, they'd have put the ball in his hands in fourth and one. Go back and listen to what Brandon Staley had to say about Justin Herbert to his team when they went for it on a critical fourth down to help ice the game against the Kansas City Chiefs. And they came out and they threw the ball on fourth down. And contrast that to how Miami has handled Tua in late-game situations, including going back to last year, in which he was yanked from the game in the fourth quarter of a couple of games, in close games, and I understood it at the time with what we thought we knew, but like we're in a new year now. And man, it, it's, it's getting really, really hard to see any scenario with the way this season is trending, with the way this team is regressing from a coached perspective, from Brian Flores' inability to assemble a competent offensive staff that can accentuate your best talents and not be, whether it's ignorance or whether it's by design, a team that, that takes its foot off the gas. It's really hard to, for me right now to see a scenario in which Tua Tungvaloa and Brian Flores are both back as the starting quarterback and head coach of the Miami Dolphins in 2022. The evaluation of this entire team is ongoing because it has to be. We have to ask these hard questions. And I ask anybody who watched that game who watched the challenges, who watched the clock management, who watched the game management, the situational football, the penalties, the conservativeness, the end-of-game decision-making process. Where is the coach who had this team playing above their talent level in the last two years? Because that coach is not the same Brian Flores that we have right now. And I don't know how it turns around. I don't have that answer. But I do have a a, a plea, if you will, uh, for somebody pertaining to the Miami Dolphins. And I'm going to tell you about that as soon as I tell you and plead with you to buy yourself a damn box of Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. These things are high in protein. They're high in fiber. They're low in calories. They're low in sugar. They got 100% chocolate on all their bars. They're absolutely positively delicious. So whether you're looking for something to grab and go, midnight snack, meal replacement, post-workout, you name it, Built Bar can be it. Visit BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCK15, and you can save 15% off your next order. That's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCK15 to save 15% off your next order. We're back and better than ever with all eyes on the gridiron. Team's back for yet another football season. And as always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Yours truly had a really nice 
weekend of college football betting 11 and 5. Back in the plus, at a little low spot for two weeks, but we're back in the saddle. We had a winning weekend. Feel good about that. Nice to have something to feel good about on a, on a weekend of football. With a new updated site and interface with even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code Locked On to receive your bonus. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports, and it's where the game starts. I find it very unlikely, extremely unlikely, that Miami Dolphins owner Stephen Ross is ever going to listen to this podcast or hear this message. But I do have something to ask of Mr. Ross. I love this team. I will always love this team. I have always loved this football team. But I am tired. I am very tired of this perpetual cycle of reset, refocus, build momentum, only to find out that nothing has really changed. And I don't specifically know the details and the dynamics that have led to the 2021 season being what it is, which at this point is a complete disaster. But given that you do own the team, I would expect you have the resources. I'm not saying you have all the answers right now either, because I know how much you have invested in the Miami Dolphins and the South Florida community. I don't expect that you have all these answers, because if you've invested what you have and you had the answers, we wouldn't be here. But I do expect that you have the resources to get the best picture that you possibly can as to how and why we've gotten here. And I am kindly asking you, on behalf of every fan out there who is just like me, who does not have a platform, but loves this team inside and out, but is tired. Look at your product and get those answers and make the decisions that need to be made to set this team up for success because this season feels like it's done. You've got 11 games to play. There's a lot of player evaluation that needs to take place. There's some coach evaluation that needs to take place. There's some player personnel and front office evaluation that needs to take place. The infrastructure that's been laid, the foundation that was laid from 2019 to 2021, does not have to all be for naught. It doesn't have to be a waste of time. It doesn't have to be back to square one. But the only way it's not, and I think of a lot of other rebuilds that made significant changes in leadership partially through and came out the other side better for it, 
the decisions that are going to be made in the next six months for the Miami Dolphins are the ones that are really going to determine whether or not 2021 was a setback or a colossal failure. And Mr. Ross, you are the one at the end of the day who is going to have to make every single one of those decisions. Because it all falls under you to make the decisions on who's the general manager, who's the head coach, and they in turn are going to make significant decisions with the remaining assets and the players on the team to send this team in either direction. All I'm asking you is to start that process now and to be as thorough as you can and to make as educated of decisions as you possibly can. Because I know for a fact there are a lot of diehard Miami Dolphins fans who love this team, but they are tired. Like I am. And as like I'm sure you are as well. That's going to do it for us today on the show. One in five. Not where anybody thought the Miami Dolphins would be. Not where anybody expected the Miami Dolphins to be. But indeed where they are. They're home next week against the Atlanta Falcons before the Buffalo Bills in week eight. So the Atlanta game becomes a very important one for a lot of people. And it may be not be an important one for a, a number of people because they we may wake up on Monday morning after this podcast has been recorded and there may be changes already instilled. But it's hard to see things continuing to go on the path that they have without any changes amid a one in five start. Kyle Krabs, keep it locked in here on Locked On Dolphins. Uh, your team every day, we say it, we live it. And we're going to bring it this week because that's all we can do uh, is continue to evaluate the best that we can. We're going to review, review the film. We're going to look more in depth at some of the player performances. Um, I already know uh, I've got a, a short list of names that we need to talk about in further depth, but I want to go back and rewatch the tape before we have those conversations so I can speak as ed educated as I possibly can on their performance and the dynamics involved. So, uh, I'll talk with you guys again soon. Hang in tough, fins up, and uh, let's keep plugging away. This evaluation process continues here on Locked on Dolphins.